Turn in your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 6. Hold your place there. And as you're turning, let me just share with you where we've been and then where we're going this morning. We've been talking for the last, now this uh, is the fifth week, I believe, uh, that we've been talking about the disciple, what it really means to follow Jesus. You know, in our keynote verse, though you don't need to turn there, you're turning to Matthew chapter 6, the keynote verse for this whole series is the Great Commission. This is a great commission that God has commissioned us all in. And it says this. It says, go therefore and make what? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, Jesus said, even to the end of the age. God's called us to make disciples. And so that's what we're talking about, discipleship. And let me just quickly rehearse where we've been, review where we've been. We, we define discipleship, and I got uh, a little help from uh, a book called Wiki Church. If you'd like to find, look that up and, and order it, you can. It's about making disciples. Uh, and Steve Morell in his book, Wiki Church, he gave it a threefold thought about discipleship. And it is this, a call to follow Jesus. Jesus looked at his disciples and he said this. He said what? Follow me. Everybody say, follow me. And then it's a call not only to follow Jesus, but a call to fish for men. What did he say? Follow me and I'll do what? I'll make you fishers of men. And discipleship is, is, is a call to follow Jesus. And it is, number two, a call to fish for men or fish for people. And then number three, it's a call to fellowship with others. Build relationships with one another. In fact, today I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer, or the model prayer in Matthew 6. We're going to look at it very briefly today. Uh, but uh, it, it's, you, we tend to think of it as a prayer for us. But it, you know it's plural? You know it's a, it's a corporate prayer? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then, you know, give us this day. It's, it's a relational prayer. We pray that, to, we ought to pray that together and realize that God's called us together as, as, as friends and family. So we looked at discipleship defined, a call to follow Jesus, a call to fish for men, and a call to fellowship with others. Then we looked at the disciples' decisions. Man, there's a lot of decisions. If you're going to be a disciple, uh, we just looked at some decisions that we all need to make. Am I going to be a fan or am I going to be a real follower? Am I going to hang on to my life or am I going to let go of my life? Some real decisions we have to make as disciples. There's a lot of fans. A lot of people uh, are fans of Jesus, but not near as many followers of Jesus. Then we looked at the disciples' denial. Now, not denying Jesus. Now, Peter denied the Lord. But how many of you know the Bible says if we're going to be disciples, it says this in Matthew 16. If anyone desires to come after me, Jesus said, let him do what? Deny himself and come and follow me. There's a denial of ourself. There's a laying down of our life, a laying down of our will. In fact, Jesus was challenged in that uh, prior to the cross. Three times he asked the Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not what? My will, but your will be done. We all have to deny ourselves. And then we talked about the, the disciples' development. And that's where we're going to hang out a good while. And that's where we are this morning. It, he, Jesus said, if you'll follow me, I'll do what? I'll make you fishers of men. You see, becoming a disciple is a process. Believing God and becoming a Christian, becoming a child of God is instantaneous. 
Aren't you, don't you thank God? How many of you are glad you don't have to work towards being saved? That would be schizophrenic, wouldn't it? You'd never know if you ever really arrived. You, you don't work to be saved. It's by His grace that we're saved. And so we embrace the reality that we've been called to follow Jesus. And, and then He begins a process of making us into what He wants us to be. He'll make us fishers of men. I gave you this thought uh, last week. I want to give it to you again. Discipleship is a lifelong process that requires daily discipline for its development. Let's read that out loud together. Come on, everybody. Discipleship is a lifelong process that requires the discipline of daily development. And I pray today that you would allow the process to continue in your life and you would become more and more like Christ and more and more of a real genuine disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ every day that you live. Don't let, how many of you realize every day is important? Man, every day is important. We don't want to miss anything that God has for us. And we've got to allow His purpose and plan to be developed in us. And He called us to make disciples. Therefore, if we're going to make disciples, we better be disciples. Amen. And so last week we talked about the fact that these disciples, when Jesus called them, they made a lifestyle commitment. It says when He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, they became lifestyle committed. What did they do? It says, immediately they left their nets and they followed Jesus. Somebody say immediately. They didn't just uh, kind of think about it, ponder it, pray about it. They just said, this is the way we need to go. They made some lifestyle commitments. And that's what we're talking about here on Sunday morning uh, when we're looking through uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 uh, concerning what Jesus, what we've called now is the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, that, in fact, if you notice, uh, when they left their nets in Matthew 4, there was just a little bit of ministry that Jesus went through. He, he kind of modeled it for them. And then he began to mentor them in chapter 5, 6, and 7. And the Sermon on the Mount is really a life, what it means to be a disciple, the lifestyle of, of a disciple and what they do and how they live and what they believe and where they go and all the things that they say and the attitudes of their heart and so I want to encourage you to take Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and just let it just set up residence in your heart because it, it really opens to us what it means to be a disciple. And last week we talked about this, this lifestyle that these disciples were committed to. It was a lifestyle of learning. Because it says in Matthew 5, 1 and 2, it says he saw the multitudes and he went to, up on the mountain. And when he, had, he was seated, his disciples came to, me, to him. And then he opened his mouth and taught them. You see, it's a lifestyle of learning. We should never stop learning to be more like Christ. Amen. Some people believe they've arrived. Some people believe they've got it all. I mentioned this. It might have been last week. You know, I, I'm getting old. I repeat myself. But I'll never forget when I first went into full-time ministry, there was a guy in the church that I had just taken over uh, the pastorate of. And he looked at me kind of arrogantly. And he says, well, I hope you can tell me something I don't already know. And, you know, sometimes people's attitudes will get off on you. And so he had a bad attitude, and so I just got one too. You ever do that? <laughs> I said, well, probably not. See you later. Uh, anyway, how many of you know sometimes pastors get a bad attitude? Especially that, that was my first day on the job, so y'all give me a little bit of break, right? Okay, so, hey, uh, but we need to understand something. We're always learning. 
and never, never uh, coming to a place where we've got it all figured out. And so this morning, we're going to look at Matthew 6. I wish I could read it all to you. I'm going to read an extended portion, the last half. But let me just jump in. I'm going to give you three bullet point thoughts that, we, that, uh, that we've got to embrace as a lifestyle. And then I'm going to spend a little time on the fourth one. So here they are. Genuine discipleship is a lifestyle of giving. Everyone say giving. We see this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. He says in verse 1 and 2, Take heed that you do not, uh, do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, interesting thought about this. We're just going to hit these three as a quick bullet point. Uh, Giving was, a, was almost, he wasn't teaching them to give. He was teaching them the heart of giving. He says, when you give. Everyone say, when you give. It's almost like Jesus believed these disciples had already figured out, if I'm going to be a disciple, I'm just, uh, giving is just a natural part of it. And so we see that, that he's coming and he's confirming this to the disciples, but he's just clarifying their heart about it. They're not to be hypocritical, not religious. It's when you give. Everyone say, when you give. You see, if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to be a giver. You're going to be willing to give. You're going to be willing to sacrifice. And you're going to have a right heart about it. You're not going to give grudgingly, as Paul said in Corinthians. You're going to, you're going to give gladly and, and sacrificially. and just It's just the lifestyle of a disciple. Jesus was a giver. Jesus gave what? His whole life. He gave up heaven's glory for 33 years for the sake of you and me. And then he gave his own life on Calvary's cross. And believe you me. He suffered and he died and he had pain and sorrow. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. He gave his life for you and me. And so discipleship is a lifestyle of giving. And number two, we see in Matthew 6, life, uh, discipleship, genuine discipleship is a lifestyle of praying. Verse 5 of chapter 6, he says, and when you pray, everybody say, when you pray. Again, he's not teaching them that they should pray. He was teaching them how to pray and the heart of how we are as disciples to pray. And oh, when you read through the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, you know, you, you and I can embrace the heart of Jesus and how we are to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, that ought to be our lifestyle. A lot of people pray in a pinch. A lot of people call out to God when things aren't going well. Jesus said, as a disciple, uh, just like giving, it should just be a natural part of our life. Praying should be that as well. It should become a natural outcropping. I find that some people are still nervous about praying, especially in public. Listen, I'm telling you, uh, uh, an atheist will pray in a pinch. When they get, hey, understand something. And we need to come to the place, if we're going to follow Jesus, where praying and giving is just an outflow and an outcropping of our life. And we just pray and seek God and we worship Him. And we come into His presence and we yield to His will and purpose for our life. And we submit ourselves to His governance. When we say, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. We yield to his forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We yield to his protection. Deliver us from the evil one. Keep us from temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. And we stay in his presence by just praising him. 
Just saying, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This morning when I got in my car very early in the morning and headed north, I began to pray. And I just, I just took the Lord's prayer and I just began to pray. And, and, and because I was a captive audience and didn't have anything better to do, uh, you understand that's a little, I'm, I'm being facetious there. There's nothing better to do than seek God. But I, I, for about two hours, I just prayed. And I just walked through the Lord's prayer and the model prayer. And I prayed for you. And I prayed for my family. And I prayed for our nation. I prayed for, for God's kingdom to come and His will to be done in your life. And it needs to be our lifestyle. I have to tell you, church family, that as your pastor, it's not always my lifestyle. I, sometimes I wake up and I realize, man, it's been a while since I spent a little time in prayer. And I have to adjust my world and realize, I've got to pray. I've got to be a giver. It's got to become my lifestyle and my nature. Amen. That's what discipleship is. And then number three, now this is an amazing one, that genuine discipleship is not only a lifestyle of giving and praying, but according to Matthew 6, it's a lifestyle of fasting. Now that goes against our culture, doesn't it? But look in verse 18. Moreover, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites. Again, it's almost as though he just knew, the disciples knew this was just a normal part of discipleship. He didn't say you're supposed to fast. He said, when you fast, like it's when you get up in the morning. I mean, when you, when you go to bed, I mean, just things we just as people ought to know, when you fast. And he was not teaching them to fast. He was teaching them the right heart and how we fast and why we fast. And so that's the disciple. It's a lifestyle of learning. It's a lifestyle of giving. It's a lifestyle of praying. And it ought to be a lifestyle of fasting. And you can tell from my physique, that's not much my lifestyle. But I'm telling you, we, we've got to get a little deeper in who we are. In fact, you know, on the first of the year, we endeavor to pray and fast as we begin the year. This year is going to be no different. I want to encourage you. Hey, just get, hey, the world does it. Why not we? The world, you know, you just, you watch on Jan 1 what all the ads are for. What are they? Exercise equipment. And then by spring, they're all, you can go to the garage sale and you can buy them real cheap. Because people don't follow through. What are they saying? You got to stay, you got you to get a grip on your world. And listen, fasting is about getting closer to Jesus and, and denying ourselves and coming into his presence and releasing the supernatural power of God in our midst. Everyone say, when you give, when you pray. And when you fast, amen. And then number four, which I'm going to work us all the way through the end of Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse, oh, let's do verse 19. The fourth thought about what real discipleship and the lifestyle of a disciple is this. It's the lifestyle of trusting. I'll remember an old hymn, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. I don't have all the words. I didn't, I should have printed it up. Just to stand upon his promise. Hey, it's, it's, a, it's an important thing for us to embrace and understand and realize that we've got to trust him in all things. We've got to believe him in every area. If you look at Matthew chapter 6, really verse 19 all the way through, through verse 34, I'm not going to read it all, but it's about trusting God. And, and it teaches us that we should trust him in some key areas of our life. And, and let me just throw some of these out to you from this passage of Scripture. Uh, from this passage, uh, Matthew 6, 19 through 34, it teaches that we're supposed to trust him with our future. 
We're supposed to believe him and trust him for our life and for our future. In fact, if you go back to Matthew 6, verse uh, uh, 10, it says, uh, what does it say about our future? And about, uh, it says, you pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done. In other words, my life needs to be wrapped up in who you are, not you wrapped up in who I am. And then he says this in verse 19 and 20 and 21, uh, though it's talking about our finances, it's really about our future. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so you need to understand something. We tend to treasure what we trust the most. Or we tend to, whatever we treasure, that's what we trust. And if we treasure eternity, we can begin to trust God for our eternity. We begin to treasure the, the, the eternal things of God. We can begin to trust the eternal one. Amen. And number two, what you look, for, look to is what you usually live for. You need to think about that. What you look to is what you usually live for. And it becomes a lifestyle. I'm looking to Jesus for, for everything. We're supposed to trust God with our futures. We're supposed to trust God with our finances. Amen. How many of you need to trust God? We just got to trust him. We really do. In every area of our life. Especially our future. And especially our finances. Think about this. What do you think the tithe's all about? What do you think the tithe's all about? Malachi, bring you all the what? Tithes into the storehouse and what? Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so much so that you cannot contain it. How many of you know God doesn't need our tithes? The church does. God doesn't. <laughs> But listen carefully. What's he teaching us? He's teaching us to trust him. And he knows, listen carefully, just like April said, if you trust him, he, he's going to take good care of you. He's teaching us to trust him. It's a lifestyle of trusting, trusting God. And so in this Matthew 6, we see Jesus endeavoring to teach his disciples and to teach us that we need to trust him with our future and trust him with our finances. Look at Matthew 6, 24. It says this, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What's he saying? You've got to trust me. I'll take care of your needs, but you've got to trust me. Amen. And he's teaching his disciples, he's teaching us that we're supposed to trust him with our future and our finances and even as well as the focus of our life. What we focus on in life. You see, as I said, what you, tre what you treasure, you'll end up trusting. And what you look to is what you'll begin to live for. And so he's trying to teach us to trust him with the focus of our life. Look in Matthew 6, verse 33 and 34. He says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these what things will be added unto you. Everyone say, seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. What's he talking about? The focus of our life. What are we focused on? His kingdom, his purpose. You see, the Bible teaches us, Jesus is teaching that discipleship is a lifestyle of trusting him. We got to trust him with our future, with eternity. You see, when you gave your life to Christ, you trusted him that, hey, what he said is true and you're on your way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas today, amen. 
I trust that. And we trust him with our finances and we trust him with the focus of our life by keeping our focus upon him. That being said, I want to teach you some things from this passage of Scripture, how you can begin to train your heart to trust God. How many of you know we got to get, we, we need training in how to trust God? That's what I mentioned. Hey, the tithe is all about God wants to train us to trust Him. And sometimes the circumstances of our life, He allows us to go through those things in order that we can learn to trust Him. Just to take him at his word, at the, as the hymn says. Now, one of my favorite proverbs, it's a, it's a, proverbs on, uh, a proverb on trust. It's Proverb three, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I love it. Let's read it together out loud. And then we're going to jump into Matthew 6 and give you some truths about uh, how you train, how Jesus teaches us to train our hearts to trust him. Read it with me out loud, everyone. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. I love that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And so today I want to give you some thoughts about, about training your heart to trust God. From Matthew 6. The first one is this. If you want to train your heart to trust God, being trained to trust. Uh, number one, uh, everyone say lay up. I'm not talking about basketball. Look what he says. I read it just a few moments ago, verse 19 and 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in to steal. Hey, start investing in things that matter to God. How many of you know we've got to begin to invest in things that matter to God? Some of the things we invest our life in absolutely do not matter to God. Are you with me? Say amen. You want to train your heart to trust God? Start investing in what blesses Him. Start investing in what matters to Him. Start investing not just your, 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 your uh, treasure, but invest your, your time and your talents. And as well, your treasure in that which matters to God. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Amen. Number two, if you want to train your heart to trust, Jesus taught us not only to lay up, but everybody say lighten up. Let me show you this. It says this in verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of what? Light, But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Hey, I'm not talking about lighting up from the, oh, just lighten up, brother. We're not talking about that. We're talking about lighten up your life. Start internalizing the things that make you holy. That's what he's talking about. He said the lamp of the body is the eye. And if your eye is good, your whole body's full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole life, your whole body's full of darkness. In other words, we've got to start internalizing the things in our life that make us holy. How many of you know we're, we're supposed to be holy? As disciples, we're supposed to be holy. More and more like God. Not a holier than thou, but a holy. Let me give you two thoughts today. You want to be holy? You want to internalize some things that make you holy? How about do this? How about be filled with the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, hey, go and wait for the promise of the Father. Paul said this in Ephesians 5, 18. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Began internalizing the things that make you holy. Listen, religion will not make you holy. It just makes you mean. But a relationship with Jesus and his Holy Spirit will make you more like him. Here's another one. How about being filled up with the Holy Bible? Just start internalizing the things that make you more like Christ. Everyone say, lay up. Everybody say, lighten up. It's time we light up our lives by internalizing the truth of God in our life so it'll begin to make a difference in our life. Amen. In fact, Matthew 6, verse 22, and then verse 24, it says, hey, you can't serve God and money. In other words, if money becomes what you get all focused on, you're not going to be able to serve God. You know what Paul said? The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Most people internalize those things that they, whatever, as I said earlier, whatever you look to, you'll end up living for. Whatever you treasure, that will you trust. And if you begin to treasure the Word of God and treasure the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, in fact, what's the Bible say? The Word of God is, is like precious jewels that we treasure in our heart, that we internalize into our life, and it makes us more like him we can train our hearts to trust god we can begin to invest in things that matter to god and we can begin to internalize the things that make us holy to where our whole body is full of light man that's awesome and number three if we want to train our heart to trust we got to look up everyone say look up oh you know what jesus said he was teaching us to trust him he said this He said, look at the birds. They just enjoy life. And I take good care of them. They don't don't toil or, hey, what, what, they just, I take good care of the birds. I'll say it this way. Start investigating the things that give you insight. He said, look at the birds. This morning I did something at 345. I walked out in the backyard and looked up at the sky. There was no lights other than the stars. How many of you know the Bible says the stars declare the glory of God? We've got to have a heart that that begins to say, hey, I'm looking up. I'm looking looking all around. I want to find the revelation of God for my life, whether it's in the stars, whether it's in the birds, or whether it's in the flowers and the lilies of the field. He said, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? In other words, you need to understand that you can trust me. Just look, I take care of the birds. I take care of the flowers. I put the stars in space and just begin to trust this fact. Look at your neighbor and say, you're better than birds. You're better than a bird. And he takes good care of the birds. Everybody say, lay up. Everybody say, lighten up. Everybody say, look up. Man, just look up. In fact, you can look down, look all around and just begin to learn from God and learn from his creation and, and find and just realize, man, you can trust God. He takes care of the birds. He takes care of the lilies of the field. He'll take care of you. Tell somebody, look at somebody say, he, you're better than birds. He's going to take good care of you. Just trust him. Tell somebody, you're better than birds. He's going to take good care of you. Just trust him. You got to train your heart to trust God. And then number four, we got to let up. 
Everybody say, let up. In other words, let me say it this way. Stop ingraining yourself in the things that make you fearful. Now, some people are, are very good at fear. They're professional worriers. Look what Jesus said after he said, you're better than birds. Verse 27, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Now, you know he knows the answer, and we all know the answer. No one. Worry doesn't make you better. Everybody say, worry doesn't make me better. He goes on, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry. Everybody say, do not worry. In other words, there's some things that we would naturally worry about. we got to stop that. Everybody say, stop it. Say, stop it, stop it, stop it. You just stop it. Hey, Jesus said, do not, don't, don't do that. That's not good for you. Don't worry. I'm, you're better than birds. Hey, the lilies of the field, look around, and then let up. Quit that. Stop that. Some of us have a habit of worrying. My grandmother was a professional worrier. She would worry about the fact there was nothing to worry about. She'd get nervous. Everything's going right. Oh, you better look out. Listen. Stop ingraining yourself in the things that make you fearful. I don't know what that means to you, but for somebody here, it means something. How many here today be honest enough to say, I, yeah, you got me. That, that means something to me personally. Anybody? Yeah, there you go. There you go. That means, stop it. Everybody, y'all want to be honest this morning? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm, now, just follow me. How many of this, this means something personal to you? Stop doing that. Okay. All right, lift your hand up and hold it up high. Now, look around, look around, see how many. And everybody look at somebody whose hand's lifted up and go, stop that. Just stop it. Stop it. Come on now. Stop it. That's good. That's, that's not very deep, but that's good. That's what he said. Hey, don't worry about it. How many of you worrying going to make anything better? No, it just makes it worse. You're not a prayer warrior, you're a prayer worrier. Some of you pray, God just goes, oh man, would you please stop it? Because you're a prayer worrier. It's not helping matters. Yeah, but we got to, what are we going to do? Yeah, stop. Let up a little bit. Hold your horses. Amen. Y'all think that's silly, but that's, just, that's written in red right there. He said, therefore, everybody, when you see a therefore, what do you look for? You look, see what the therefore is there for. Therefore, because I take care of the birds, and you're better than birds, and I take care of the lilies of the field, and they don't, they don't toil, or they just, I just take good care of them. Therefore, you're better than birds, you're better than the lilies, so stop it. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Amen. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry. There it is again. You think he's not being repetitive here? 
wonder why he's being repetitive. Because this is one of the biggest killers of our walk with Christ. Worry and fear and doubt. And if you're going to train your heart to trust him, you've got to stop that stuff. Now, I know that's easier said than done. That's why Jesus hit it three or four ways. Hey, I take care of the birds. I take care of the lilies of the field. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Everybody say, don't worry. Everybody say, do not fear. Hey, get your concordance out. Get, hey, Google it. Fear not. And you'll find the Bible is just chock full of directives not to fear. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 27. Let me just read it for you. I love the Psalm. Psalm 27. I love what the psalmist said. He said this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? In other words, when he's the, your light and salvation, there's nobody to fear. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. In this I will be confident. Psalm 27, 1 through 3. Whoo! Fear not. Stop. Hey, we need to let up on that. Start trusting God. Some of us are so ingrained in fear and doubt. It's our default. You know what a default is? That's just where you go when something goes wrong. Default. (laughs) It's my Hey, our default needs to be What is there to be afraid of? The Lord is my light, my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? And Jesus came to his disciples and he said, Oh, you know, you disciples, you're following me. Now I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to begin to develop in you the the, the lifestyle of what it means to be a disciple. And one of the biggies is, uh, uh, once you begin to really get your heart right about praying and and, and giving and fasting, he said, now, in all of that, you just got to keep trusting. You got to trust me on every turn. When things don't go well for you, keep trusting me. When things come against you, Keep trusting me. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the prize. Trust me with your finances. Trust me with the focus of your heart. Trust me with your future. Just yield yourself to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Amen. Now, let me close with a woeful Warning. Everyone say woeful warning. Isaiah 31 verse 1 says this. Woe to those who go to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in the horsemen because they are very strong. But who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. Woe to those who trust in the natural way of thinking or even the secular mindset of life or the default of, well, I'm going to rely upon things that I can see and touch and tangible things. And Woe to those who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. What was Jesus trying to teach his disciples there on the mountain? To trust him in all circumstances. Rely upon him. 
cling to him. It's a lifestyle. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you for the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount and how you, Jesus, so simply and yet so eloquently and so powerfully teach us to trust you with our finances and with our future and with the focus of our life. Help us today to begin to seek you and seek your truth and lean upon you and not our own understanding. We thank you for it today. As we stand together today, I want to pray for you. I want to ask the Lord to help you today. As your pastor, I want to be honest with you. Just challenge you to lighten up. Lay up. Start investing. Then begin to allow him to have his way in your life. Begin to trust him. Some of you need to let up on this worry and fear. Take your hands off. Choose to trust him. Now, before we go, I want to pray for a few folks. Let's bow our head just for a moment. Let's pray. If you're here today and you have a stronghold. Now, all of us have opportunities to fear and doubt. I struggle with that from time to time in certain areas of my life, but I endeavor to bring it to Christ. But there may be some, and I believe there is, that there's some. It's the default of your life. You really are controlled by fear and doubt rather than the lordship of Christ and the trust of God and the faith of God in your life. I'm not going to embarrass anyone here today, but I will pray for you. If you can say with me, Pastor, i got to be honest, the default of my life usually is fear and doubt. When something comes my way, that's the default of my heart. If that's you today, I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to, in, in reality, we're going to take a, we're going to bind this stronghold that is built up in your mind and break it loose so you can have an opportunity to begin to train your heart to trust God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you can say, Pastor, today, you got me. The default of my life, when things come against me or circumstances assail me, I naturally default to fear and doubt. And I wonder if God even knows my name. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are. I'm going to pray a prayer of deliverance over your mind. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just amen. Amen. Somebody else. Amen. You got me, Pastor. Amen. Father, today you see those hands, Lord, that are sprinkled throughout this group of, of believers today and followers of Christ. I pray today that, Lord, this word of the Lord would show up mighty in their midst today. And, Father, the stronghold that has been built in some's mind, Lord, by the, by the continual uh, 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 allowance of worry and fear to control and and, and, and and undermine the purpose of God for people's life. I pray, Lord, that stronghold of fear and doubt would begin to be broken off their mind. In fact, I speak to it in the name of Jesus. And I bind the power of it. I break the power of it by the declaration of the will of God and the declaration of the word of God. And as you said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and 
strongholds in our minds, Lord, we break that off of them right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you for a whole new liberty and a whole new way of thinking. And Lord God, you'd give them each one a new lifestyle of trusting you. Lord, we choose to trust you today. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You can trust him. You can trust him. That's what he was trying to tell the disciples. You can trust me. Trust me in this area. Trust me in that area. How many of you trust him for your eternity? You know, if you trust him for your eternity, you can trust him for your finances. If you can trust him for your finances, you can trust him for your future. And if you trust him for your eternity and you trust him for your finances and you trust him for your focus of your life, there's nothing to fear. Amen. Everybody say, fear not. Well, I've enjoyed being with you today. Now, you have an option. Your option is to take this and apply it into your life. Or when you walk out of this room, forget about it. Listen, there's some things you need to forget about, but it's not this message. It's a lifestyle of trusting God. When you get up in the morning, say, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you in every area of my life. I'm not going to let this thing get me. I'm going to trust you. Amen. It's a lifestyle of trusting. Amen. Well, as we go today, if you're here and you're searching for a church home, let me encourage you to follow through with that. Uh, uh, in fact, I, I prayed for you this morning. If you're here searching for a church home at the close and you believe God's adding you to this church, and man, I would be honored if you believe that. I believe God's drawing people from the north, south, east, and west. If that's you today and you've got what I call the divine okie-dokie, something and you said, oh, that's my pastor, this is my church. At the close of this service, I see Jim and Trish here. They'll be hanging out in the altar. Just come and instead of going that way, come this way and say, we believe God is adding us to Church on the Rock North. Uh, and they'll help you. They'll give you some information. And we'll introduce you to the church family. Uh, hey, and we'll just grow in Christ together. Amen. Let's close this service by giving the Lord a great big clap offering of praise and thanking Him for being with us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, don't forget this Wednesday night, it starts at 6.30. There's chili, there's fun, there's hay rides, there's family, there's fellowship. It's important. What's, hey, that's a part of discipleship, fellowshipping with the family of God. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night, 6.30, right here, our family fall fellowship. Love somebody. Have a great day. God bless.